0: Hallelujah! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed! Alleluia! In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Memento mori. Memento mori. Think of death. Or learn how to die. This was a powerful theme of medieval piety. And perhaps you've heard it now, too, because it's been rediscovered by all the fanatics of Stoicism. But that's not today. Today's gospel asks us to think about life. Learn how you are born. Your death you can do all by yourself, unlike your birth. Another person gives birth to you without your asking and your doing. You are born, you are given life from another life. Life leads to life, but of course that leads to death. Your first breath is already that first pain of separation. Living in that way leads to the final separation of death, which is sin's denial of the life that we were made for, isolation and disconnection. Today's gospel tells us of death leading to death unto life. to the inverse. It tells us of our connection to life and how each step is organically related. What happens to Jesus is not just one odd thing after another happening by chance. But you might say that each event in Jesus' life, ministry, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension, each is pregnant with the next. With Jesus, Calvary comes to birth in the resurrection, comes to birth at the sending of the Spirit, and comes to birth in the new life, when death shall be no more. And nor is the life of Jesus just floating out in some disconnected sequence, outside of and really transcending time, No, he was born when Quirinius was governor of Syria. He was born of the womb of Israel, long pregnant with the promise. Born of the womb of Mary by the quickening of the Holy Spirit. Sharing humanity with us all, but purposely, as his genealogies proclaim. He is the son of promise, son of Abraham, son of Adam, man sprouted from Israel's blasted stump, the rose of Sharon, the fruit of a maiden's womb, little Mary's son, the flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone, blood brother, Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. His disciples didn't understand what he was saying to them. Jesus is speaking of his departure, his going away, his death, and then his going to the Father. They would not see him, and then they would see him. It really doesn't make any sense. If we will see him, then how is it that he could be going away? And if Jesus is going away, how shall we see him? It really must be one or the other, right? But not both. There's really no third possibility. Of course, there is a third possibility that even the disciples seem to recognize. But it makes no sense because they only see these sayings of Jesus as separated pieces. I'm going away, and then in a little while you will see me, and then the third statement they make, because I go to the Father. They've disconnected because I go to the Father, and when you disconnect that statement, it's like a heart being dissected out of a cadaver, no longer has any purpose. The disciples, like we, are imprisoned by their logic, because they've separated what God has brought together. These three statements are a sequence. When you disconnect them into pieces, disconnect into pieces what is a living, organic whole, it makes no sense, and it leads only death. So there were three clauses. Again, a little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. These three statements are about death leading to life. And that's what life is all about. Being born, new life, crying, breathing, moving, growing, changing, each step in our lives, pregnant with the next. And yet for Jesus, the order of operations doesn't make sense. It doesn't follow. The signs between are not mathematical, plus, minus, separation, exclusion, But rather, for Jesus, it's not math, it's an arrow, it's a trajectory. One thing leads to another, and everything depends on that final clause, because I am going to the Father. See, the disciples were so captive by their deadly dissection of the three phrases, they didn't even dare ask Jesus what he meant. And Yet Jesus did this for them, too. He goes right at it. He doesn't His answer doesn't dodge any of the evidence. Actually, Jesus makes the statements even more heavier and profound. He says that you will weep and lament. Now, the disciples could come to terms with that, and they would. Good Friday's howling, devastating grief. Total grief. Not just the grief of death of a man they loved. That they could think their way through, Jesus ending as anyone ends. Even a tragic death is something that you can prepare for, memento mori. But for them, Jesus' death was something far more. Calvary's grief was far more than that. You remember the numbed disciples on their way to Emmaus after the resurrection when they murmured, but we trusted that it had been he who should have redeemed Israel. They had thought that in Jesus God kept his promises. And then in his death their hopes were shattered. Jesus had drawn them in to stake their lives on him, and now he was dead. They recited each step of the journey, and what did it add up to? Nothing. The disciples had not imagined facing nothing just death so this is why he's speaking to them on the night he was betrayed he's telling them beforehand to prepare them he's pointing them forward to the death that is that final contradiction of god and us jesus goes into death and they go into it as well his is not a disconnected death as we have heard his death is our death Our death is connected to his. We are all in it together. As the apostle says, I am crucified with Christ. This is different than how life is given in this world. With Jesus, this death was necessary for there to be life. That the birth of new life should be at such a cost, the Bible points out as a sign of our sin. We were buried, therefore, through baptism into death. What we are all in on together, Jesus says, is death, but not death alone. Death leading to life. Birth, when life is at stake. Of course, then Jesus gives us a picture of it, which coincidentally falls on this day. (laughs) The woman in childbirth. How many women in labor of childbirth have cried out, never again. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, Jesus says, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. That wonder of this new life that grew in her, implanted by the husband that is one flesh with her, their one flesh realized in the creation of this new life, the flesh of flesh and bone of bone as they before of their parents and their parents and ultimately of God, who first created life and shares with us the joy and care of creating life and nurturing it. Life always onward, moving, growing, changing, each stage pregnant with the next and on and on. We live, as Christians, always in affirmation of life, openness to life, we close life off and deny it when we interrupt Jesus and slice life into pieces. When we cut ourselves off as an isolated, meaningless piece from the greater whole. But there is no halting Jesus, no interrupting him, no breaking. Either we're carried along as isolated pieces or debris, forgotten to, the history, to history, or as we are as Christians, we're joined together with him to whom life is all about, Jesus. Jesus is what your life is all about. He is with us and we are with him, flesh of flesh, bone of bone. Jesus' death is the ultimate connection between God and us, for in him God and us go together. Jesus points his disciples forward to that death as the birth of new life. No Good Friday and no, then no Easter. Or following the error error, excuse me, arrow of life that God lives and shares, if Good Friday, then Easter, and if Easter, then Pentecost. and if Pentecost, then on and on into the life of the Holy Christian Church, past our little death that we have already left behind at Calvary. And for the church, life leading to life. Exchange. Receiving life from Christ. Giving us new birth. Memento mori. That's what the modern day Stoics, like the ancients, like to say. Learn how to die. Hmm. No, the Christian church is not some kind of death cult. Instead, we learn to live. As one being born each day. And through each stage, even when God has died for, in your baptism, you are incorporated into that death and into his resurrection. Living the life that you were given in Jesus, as you were joined to him in baptism, each day a new person comes forth and arises alive, who lives connected with Christ each and every day. Living in that connection is the life of faith which is the gift of the Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. The Spirit gives us life. He breathes upon us new life each morning, as he gives us Christ, binding us in and with him through death and resurrection at baptism. For we are not at Calvary or at the empty tomb. For out of Good Friday came Easter, and out of Easter came Pentecost. And then the life of the church moved forward, not backward. Just before today's gospel, Jesus said, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It is to your advantage that I go away, he said earlier. We live now in advantageous times in the life of the church. Our advantage is always more of Jesus, not less. Going backwards would be less, not by some reconstruction of some life of Jesus, or not by just nailing him down with some historic proof, nor by getting our hands on him as Mary wanted to do, but by being born of water and the Spirit, and then going on each and every day, born again as Jesus is always more and more for us. You will see me, Jesus promised. For he promised that his spirit would show him to us and tie us in him. We see Jesus today in his words, which are alive with the spirit. For Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The words that I speak to you are spirits and they are life. The spirit's words are giving life. And they are the words of the apostles who were brought, for, brought to birth through Calvary's death and by the resurrection. So Jesus prays not only for his apostles whom he sends out into the world with his word and spirit, but also for you, for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us and that the world may believe that you sent me. That's the language of life, oneness, wholeness, together, connected, and sent. What Jesus is laying out today is really his mission, what his life is all about, that life that we are joined into, his name on us with the water and the spirit, and we were born his child. He is with us as food to our bodies, and more profoundly still, with bread and wine, his body and blood. We live in Christ. We are incorporated, connected together with Him. Jesus is alive in us. And we live with His life that is always forward and more. None of you are stray, inexplicable pieces drifting about in this world. But by your baptism, you've been joined together with Christ and in Him alive in motion, sent to live, and to share the life of Christ, a life that is growing and changing and shaping ourselves to each other's need, so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the joy that cannot be taken away. So remember how Jesus gave you life. Remember your baptism. Live your baptism. You were born again there in the font. New life is given to you. And you are born through those waters each day, each day pregnant with the next, even the days that seem to deny you and God, for we too are going to the Father. Quickened by the Spirit, we go with Christ, who promised, I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.